welcome to Back to Base. This is the SAS Who Dares Wins official reaction podcast. I'm Andrea McLean and I'm driving to a podcast studio to interrogate some celebrity guests and SAS insiders about the latest episode of the TV show that viewers just can't escape from. We're huddling up to look at the most extreme moments of each episode and how we can see the everyday in the most extreme SAS tasks. This week, I'm lucky enough to have someone who shared my SAS experience. He might spin music for Radio 1 or spin two music on Strictly, but to me, he'll always be recruit number two. Dev Griffin will be here. The good Dr. Sandeep Chohan will be updating us on how the recruits will be handling the last few days of their training. Plus, oh, hang on, it's got a turn. We have managed to lure DS's Billy and Foxy away from their nice, comfortable camp bed and dorm to spend some time in the studio. And they'll be bringing Chris, one of this year's recruits, with them. So, with so much to do, it's time we get back to base. We're going to be stripping people back physically and mentally. You have to be prepared to find out who you truly are. Work together as a unit! Are you willing to go to some deep and dark places? Keep going! Move it! Dev Griffin. Hello. How are you? I'm really, really well, thanks. This is nice. It's like a little mini re- reunion anytime we get together. This is nice. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And no one's going to jump in and scare us. <laughs> it's nice and relaxed. There's air conditioning going on. We oh, have good. water, comfortable seating. It's great. <laughs> so... How are you finding this series? What's it what's it like for you watching back? Yeah, do you know, I had a bit of a weird reaction when I came back from our series. The first thing I did was sit down and watch all of the other series of SAS. Of Maybe something... you should have done that before you went. <laughs> well, I was a fan of the show before, but I found something quite comforting about watching people go through the same journey I did. And I was really excited about this new series and also excited to find out that it was going to be in Scotland, a completely different terrain to what we've seen before. Um, what I really love about this series I guess it's people's reasons for doing the show I don't know if it's a concern of the productions if it's something they've done deliberately but you know you get the idea that maybe somebody would want to come on this show to try and I don't know maybe be famous or try and make a bit of a name for themselves but actually what you realise with all of these recruits is they have very strong personal reasons for why they want to come on and do this. And it was about proving something to yourself. And I felt like that about why I signed up to the show, that even though it was for a really good cause, to all these things I wanted to find out about myself and how far can you really push yourself. And in our day-to-day, I don't think we are, are sort of pushed that much physically. Maybe mentally a lot of times, but physically I feel like we're sort of a little bit maybe safe. So that's something I've really enjoyed this series is, is sort of getting invested in people did you take part because when we did it it was for charity we did it for stand up to cancer so like you say that was a good enough reason in itself but did you have any specific personal reason or was it just to see how far you could be pushed one of the first times I covered the Radio 1 breakfast show I broke up with my girlfriend like two days before and I just felt so horrible, but I couldn't show up at work and be like, I feel sad. I had to go, good morning, welcome to the Radio 1 breakfast show. Like, that was a bit of a weird, bit of a weird time for me. But also what I realised is I don't just do that at work. I do that all the time. I always put on a bit of a brave face and try and, you know, feel like I can't really let people in or let them know. Uh, or, or, or maybe it's an expectation of what you're supposed to be like. Maybe people, they see you in one capacity and they think, 
you, you know, you sort of have to be that all the time. There's, you feel like you've got to be in, entertaining or, you know, be, you know, nice and in a good mood all the time. And nobody's like that. Everyone's nuanced and very complex. So one of the things that I wanted to do was have an experience I wouldn't be able to hide from and I wouldn't be able to pretend like everything was fine. And actually the... Uh, apart my experience where I fully what, what I consider broke down and started crying it was such a cathartic experience for me to be that exposed in front of so many people almost as, that might be one of the most honest moments I've ever had you know not just on a tv show but in life when did that come for you in SAS what bit so that was during the interrogation phase okay. so once we've done a Escape and Evade, which was actually really fun. I really enjoyed that bit. It was like a big game of hide and seek. I remember at one point, I was like lying down in some brambles. I think I was being stuck with thorns from all angles. And I, I, I turned I turned to Jeremy at one point. I went, this is so fun. This is so great. There's dogs chasing after us. And, and in fact, if I could go and do the whole thing again, I would go right up until the point where we got caught then I would say goodnight. <laughs> I've handed them my number and go and see you later. Um, yeah, it, 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 all of those feelings got brought back up when I was watching okay. the latest episode, the interrogation, yeah. the noises that they were using. And actually what I found really difficult was, and, and this is something we've talked about before, it's such an intense bonding experience. You start off like we don't really know each other. Couple of days in, we are family. We're huddled together to try and keep warm. We're pooing next to each other in the mornings. We're feeding each other. You know, we're all looking after each other. I've not, I've never felt bonded to people like that before. And then at that stage of the experience, you're now on your own. And you're not able to help the people around you. And actually what I noticed was other people's distress was really freaking me out. Yeah. Hearing Wayne, the machine, the machine for the whole course, start making noises and crying. And you're not able to help anybody. That feeling of helplessness and not being able to do something was, I really struggled with that. Well, let's go back to the start of this episode where one of the first things that we hear is, porridge again <laughs> um, <laughs> how how I mean obviously the food is or the lack of it is, I loved is it. just I loved did the you food. I loved the food that we got on the show <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking two days in because you'd get a, a, a sort of stripped back buffet wouldn't you for breakfast so buffets are very <laughs> posh term, but yeah <laughs> you'd have bread and a boiled egg and maybe some fruit you know your, your porridge or whatever I remember at one point just putting it all in the mess tin at the same time and mashing up my egg into my porridge it got to a point where it doesn't matter what I'm eating now just as long as you get something inside you because you're going to need it I'm actually surprised at how many of them have lasted this long yeah yeah. You know, I know obviously when, when we did it, there was 12, so it was a, a smaller amount of people. But I think everybody has done really well. Even the ones who, you know, they've they've taken their armbands on and off and, and they've, they've VW'd. They've all done it when they've reached their own personal limit and there's nothing to be ashamed of with that. Yeah, it's, and I think they mentioned it a few times during this episode. You can prepare yourself physically to do something like this. And, you know, get your fitness up and, but nothing is going to prepare you for the mental aspect of it. That's something that you, you know, again, there's no hiding from that. That's just going to come out in your personality. 
I think some of the women have been incredible in this series as well. We got Kim and Shakiba. Kim's amazing. We've that yeah. they've been featured fairly fairly heavily. And for me, what strikes me is that they are both strong in their in their own unique way. Kim is like Scrappy Doo, you know. <laughs> she she makes a point of saying, "I look small, I look cute," but actually, there is a strength to me. And obviously, she struggles in in the water as well. And Shakiba. Ant says over and over again she is stronger than she realises. Yeah, a lot of resilience. Kim was amazing in the interrogation as well. Wasn't she? Like, fully took on the role, ended up like flipping the script a little bit, negotiating at one point. Really, yeah. really impressive. I was really? thinking, oh, why didn't I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'd been quite the same you sitting you in your pants you trying think? to flirt with the guy. I mean, <laughs> maybe get, not. Trying to get a sandwich fed directly to me. Yeah, maybe I should have done that more <laughs> and I got some dry clothes quicker. <laughs> now, you know, you talk about the, the escape and the evasion. They were woken up so brutally, <laughs> fast asleep, and then it's like, Gunfire. Flashbangs going off. Yeah. yeah, really disorientating. And there's something about that as an experience. You know it's not real. It feels real. It feels real. And if somebody, you know, when you at the point when you get captured and people are screaming and there were guns being pointed at you, they were obviously not loaded, but they were real guns and these are real soldiers and police who train and take the, the whole thing very seriously. You know, and you're being dragged along the ground and you're put into cable tires, shoved into the back of a van. It's not actually happening, but it feels so real, so distressing as it's happening to you. And to try and keep your mind in a place of, okay, you, you want to try and make it through to the end. You're trying to process everything that's going on. You're trying to not freak out. But because you've never done anything like that before, it's so difficult. How do you think you would have been as team leader? Because obviously they were split into two different groups and uh, Kim did really well. She ended up pretty much leading, even though, you know, she wasn't technically the one in charge. How do you think you would have done? I loved. I would love to say that I'd be a really good leader, but... I'm not. I'm really not. So I mean, it's a bit of a funny story. I bumped into one of the camera guys, Ollie, on the train a couple of a couple of months ago, uh-huh. and the first thing I, the first thing I said to him was, "I'm so sorry for how awful we were to you during the escape and evasion part of the process." And he said to me, "Every time he's done a series, that's the point where everybody starts arguing, people get angry with each other because you're tired, you're hungry, you're emotional." And there's something subconsciously that's telling you if we can just get to where we're supposed to go, this will all be over. We're going to get some dry clothes. We'll be next to the fire. We're going to have some food. And, you know, sometimes part of the group wants to go this way. The others think we should stay for a minute. Maybe we should split up. Maybe, you know, I'll turn your torches off. And not only were we arguing amongst ourselves, but poor Ollie, the camera guy, who's trying to document all of this when he's got his light on, we're like, turn the light off. Like, you're going to guess. Like, we, we got so caught up in this idea of oh we don't want to get caught because that would be terrible and if we can just get to the end then that would be really really good so I want to say that I'd be a great leader and you know calm but I probably would have panicked and started to freak out a little bit and started yelling a little bit more I'm, I'm not I'm not getting sent it on every single one of my school reports doesn't play well with others <laughs> that's not true you play very well just maybe not as team captain <laughs> no as team yeah. captain no yeah. you know um 
<laughs> Bless him. Chris has a terrible experience where, and it happens so fast, where the branch just whacks him in the eye. Yeah. Eventually, Sandeep has a has a look at him, and he he can't go any further. Were you relieved that? You didn't have to leave in 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 that sort of way because you made the decision to go when you and as I say, no shame in that whatsoever. But how would it have felt for you if you'd been in Chris's position, where actually medically you're told, right, you've come as far as you can? See, I actually thought when I watched the episode that probably would have suited me better, is to have an injury where it meant you can't continue. And oh, mate, I'd have gone right to the... I'd have smashed it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it hadn't been for that brunch, my... Yeah, um, you know, but I'm sure he was devastated by it. He was, you know, he's been so strong throughout the whole series. He was actually somebody I thought would probably make it yeah. all the way into the end. Um, it's something I've actually struggled with a little bit when I think about it upon reflection about if I could have kept going, if I could have just done maybe an hour longer or two, two hours. But what I always end up coming back to, it was clear as day in my mind when I was about to make that decision, when I was in that room, in that stress position, feeling like it was one of the worst feelings I've ever had. Everyone around me in pain and agony and not able to do anything. And I made the decision in my mind, I was like, okay, if I keep trying to push through this, I don't know what's going to happen to my brain. I'm already at breaking point, and that's not the point of it. The point of me doing this wasn't to break me and have myself break down, and it was to get as far as I felt like I could. And, in fact, the staff were really good at, 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 at talking me down and the support they offer you after you do this show. They're really sort of good at validating the experience that you have because, of course... And, and and this was a really weird experience for me as well. When I VW'd and I walked out of the site on my own, I was greeted by the psych who took me to a nice warm room. And two minutes later, I was sat eating burritos and drinking uh, some some ginger beer. And I remember looking over at the site thinking, I probably could have done a couple more hours. But no, of course you can't. You can say that now <laughs> that you're sat here in some dry clothes and you're eating a burrito and then some ginger ale. But yeah, um, it's... It's difficult either way, whether you are VWing and you're deciding, okay, this is where my journey has end, or it ends, you know, by, like, as you know, as a doctor telling you, you can't physically continue. And again, the point of the show is not to die trying to do it. It's to get as much out of the experience yeah. as possible and, and actually be able to come back and tell the tale. I think you summed it up so well there as well. The point of it is not to break you. And Shakiba was devastated when and it was a, a whole team effort you mm. saw the umpire talking it through and he you know he's we don't even know who he is but this <laughs> this tough mustache <laughs> talking about this is a this is a process and we do not want to push anyone to a point where mentally they break physically we can see what's happening with people mentally yeah. we have to make a call yeah of course and you can tell how much that that mental her whole story yeah. about her and her dad having ptsd and trying to get an understanding i just thought it was such a beautiful reason mm. to to want to do the show and you could tell in that moment it felt like she probably felt she let her dad down or something and and, and I, I think Ant said something to her earlier that I, I hope she takes away from the experience is that you've got to start thinking about yourself and what you're going to get from this as well. Yeah. You can't just do it for other people. But that was, that, was, that was a really powerful moment, I think. 
What's it like in the interrogation bit when you're put in the stress positions and you're left? The, the, the guys did 12 or 13 hours. I did three and a half before I decided that I... I, I, and what I are you hearing in those headphones? Oh, man. I mean, these they're the best in the past. It's the guys who organise this. They are the best. They know exactly how to break you, what your weaknesses are going to be. I mean, they'll, they'll spend the week... The terrible Europop. Getting a... <laughs> it wasn't... Didn't like play like Justin Bieber backwards or anything. The, the bits of it that I could handle... They're listening now and writing the, that down. <laughs> Justin Bieber backwards. That could work. The bits that I could handle were... I remember there's one point where it took me sat me down somewhere and the first thing I remember because you got a bag of your head the first thing I remember thinking as I walked into this room I was like it's nice and warm in here that's what, that's what I remember thinking whatever happens let me try and figure out a way to try and stay in this room and uh, they pulled the bag off my head and it was two it was two guys who were just screaming at me in Spanish screaming in my face in Spanish and I remember thinking you can do this all day long mate like, I don't <laughs> understand what you're saying it's nice and warm in here no one's hurting me I don't have to like run up and down if I'm like cool whatever but I, what I should have done is acted like oh no please don't do this because they saw it wasn't having any effect and they just put the bag over my head and sent me back in the room the bits that I really struggled with was First of all, it was the stress positions. I remember that one of the first ones they made me do was stand holding some chains out in front of me. So the chains were attached to the wall and you have to hold it out in front of you. And you think, I could, I could, I could probably do that forever. But there's something about not knowing how long you're supposed to stand there and hold it for. If someone said, do a plank for a minute or you know whatever it is, if they were like, do a plank until I say stop. Then it's a, then it's completely different. You don't know what you're counting up to. The other positions I really struggled with was anything sat sat down on the floor with my legs and, and arms right out in front of me. Uh, I've always I've never been able to like sit down or cross my legs properly. And uh, I remember feeling all this tension in my hips, and it brought me right back to <laughs> this is so weird talking about this now. It brought me back to primary school when teachers wouldn't believe that I couldn't cross my legs. We'd all be sat in the carpet and we're all crossing our legs. And the teacher would be like, cross your legs, Devin. I'm like, uh, uh, no, 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 I actually can't physically. Like, no, no, no. We're all going to sit here until you cross your legs. I'm like, no, I, I, I physically can't. I remember like sat there. It was so you weird. had SS training before you even went in? <laughs> <laughs> I'd had a little warm up. Um, but it was just, it was so unbearable. Physically, I was in a lot of pain, but the noises that they play in their headphones send you around the loop. I mean, it started off with, it was in stereo as well. There was on one side, there was a woman screaming and then a baby crying. And then there was glass being rubbed together, polystyrene being rubbed together. But the one that absolutely just sent me over the edge and I thought, okay, I'm done, was pigs. That the sound of these pigs just kind of <laughs> set a microphone in a sty somewhere. Awful. I I still can't look at a pig the same way. <laughs> it's hard, and it, you know, because it's noise cancelling headphones and you've got the goggles on so your senses, uh, you, you deprive some senses, some senses are extra sensitive and you just feel so disorientated and out of it and yeah, really awful. That it that all came back as well when I watched this last episode. All of those feelings came up of man, like props to every single one of those who like not even get through it. If you're just willing to sit through ten minutes of that, well done. What went through your head other than oh, this is awful, this is awful? Because everybody who takes part in SAS, I think, 
go through some kind of emotional journey and some kind of mental journey where um, for me it was things that I'd put away in a box didn't expect that box to open and everything that I'd thought right I'm just never going to look at that again that was some time in my life that was horrible I'm not going to think about it bang there it all was some people managed to hold that in until the interrogation process did you experience that yeah I think the the things that came up from me uh was the ability to control my emotions. Anger and any kind of extreme emotion is something that I have struggled with. And there was a real sense of helplessness. I couldn't help anybody else. I couldn't help the situation I was in. I couldn't run away. And I know that I can make this stop at any moment. And I'd also, throughout the week, been able to cope easily by meditating, focusing on my breathing, having the support of the group was so important. It were days, you know, Ben would come up to you, give you a hug or you'd have a chat with somebody and that would make your whole day. That would keep you going. And all of a sudden I felt incredibly alone. Even though I was in a room with everybody else, I just felt incredibly alone. I was like, oh, I have to get myself through this. And the places I'd started to go in this spiral, really dark places to try and get through this bit, I, I didn't want to keep going and see where that went. I thought I feel my mind go into weird places and I don't want to come out of this and struggle with that. I want to come out of this and go, oh, it was an amazing experience. <clears throat> and I really enjoyed it and I feel better for it. And it, it's taken me a long time to get my mind to where I want it to be and to kind of work the way I want it to. And yeah, I wouldn't want to... I guess I guess almost a little bit like if, if I like throw myself down a mountain like I know I'm gonna get hurt if I if I try and do this and I don't want to I don't want an injury that I can't come back from so uh it sounds like you came out at exactly the right time I, I really I really do like to the, almost to the minute as I was counting down in my mind like okay we're really gonna do this we're really gonna do this and the other thing I tried to do was really bottle how I felt in that moment so that at any time in the future if I was gonna doubt myself I could tap into that a little bit and go oh no I remember how I felt and it was awful and I'm glad I stopped <laughs> when I did yeah. and have you have you ever tapped into it yeah yeah when I and when I sat down and started this series the first thing I remember thinking about was anytime I talk about it with people they're like would you do it again I, I'm, I, I say I would do it tomorrow. You could put me on a plane in an hour's time to go anywhere in the world to go and do that again. As soon as I got to the interrogation bit, I would go, all right, I'm finished now. I've (laughs) done the bits that I enjoy. Let me go. Um, And yeah, there's obviously, there's always going to be ego and a part of me that thinks you could have kept going. You could have made it to the end. But I know how I felt in that moment. And I know I couldn't have. I still know I couldn't have. In this episode, we saw just how far the recruits are willing to push themselves, mind and body, towards completing the training. But sometimes a doctor needs to step in and say when it's dangerous to carry on. That doctor happens to be on the other side of this phone right now. So hello, Dr. Sandeep Chohan. How are you doing? I'm very good, Andrew. How are things? Really, really good. Now, Sandeep, earlier in the series, we've seen people thrown in the water, having to swim to shore, but they're spending very, very long periods of time in freezing water. So it looks hard, but just what is the effect on the body that this kind of experience can have? 
it is pretty awful actually it completely wipes you out so a lot of people don't know but the actual sudden shock of when they go into the water can kill and certainly a lot of the training exercises that we've done we always have a resus kit on standby just in case it does um trigger a cardiac event but once you've done the initial immersion so the whole uh, key is to keep the heart and lungs alive so the knock-on impact will be to the muscles and mind so you kind of lose coordination your limbs aren't going to work properly your breathing and heart rate are all going to be completely uncontrolled and then the other part of it's going to be the mental exhaustion so you get the confusion kicking in mm -hmm. so it is literally a fight for survival well, we saw, you You mentioned the, the mental side of things there. We saw a really brief moment where Shakita had a panic attack. Can you tell us what's going on when a, a, the body is experiencing something like a panic attack? And is it different to when this is happening in water compared to on, on dry land? I think some of the symptoms are similar, but with a panic attack on dry land, it is a little bit different in the sense that it's kind of this huge wave of uncontrollable fear. And it is an emotional overcharge right and then you've got all this adrenaline just being dumped onto the different organs in the body but yeah you're right it does cause the same kind of issues in terms of you've lost control of your breathing you've lost control of your heart your muscles aren't working you're trembling you can't think straight um and it, it, the symptoms very similar um the only thing is is what the actual trigger is obviously there are moments where as a doctor you need to step in and tell people that physically their time is up and we saw it with chris who got really whacked in the eye by a branch and you told him that at, at this point you felt that medically he couldn't carry on what what's that like having to tell someone who you know every other part of them is champing at the bit to do to, to carry on to the end what's that like for you it's always difficult and it's always difficult because I know their journeys and I know what their motivations are and it's you know and it goes two ways so sometimes the recruit will understand you know they'll understand they've taken things as far as they can and it's actually a relief and I think Chris mentions that you know it's having somebody else make that decision for you is much easier in life than actually pulling out yourself the other emotion unfortunate you get is anger you know some people do have that do or die attitude and you saw that with shakiba you know yeah. and when you see them and it's not just shakiba she so she was wanted to experience what happened with her father and that was a huge thing for her um but as an external observer you know we have responsibilities for their welfare we have responsibility for their mental health and when you're so immersed in that environment you don't see the damage that it's causing to yourself you know physically and mentally and you know some of the other guys in previous series i mean just thinking of the top of my head Ephraim was a good example you know he was really really unwell and again he's another recruit that i had to pull ultimately you know these are dangerous environments and people can physically and mentally really damage themselves and that's where, where you come in. Sandy, thank you so much for talking to us again this week. We'll speak to you again next week. Being a pleasure. Bye-bye. Now, we've got quite a lot of people have suddenly joined me in my little tiny booth. It'd probably be easier if you all uh, identify yourselves. Well, start from my right. Uh, my name's Foxy and I've gate crashed. That's why there's more people than there should be. <laughs> and I'm Billy, the nice DS off the shore. Hello, I'm Dev Griffin. And finally... 
Uh, I'm Chris Barker. I was recruit 10 um, on season five. Oh, really warm welcome to you, Chris. And the, the first thing I need to ask you is how is your eye? Um, it's getting there. It gives me problems in the morning, but I'm... Um, I'm seeing people for it. So. Well, well um, you're seeing people. You're seeing people very badly <laughs> I have out of one eye. In the morning, but, you know. I see people for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, what viewers will have seen was obviously you were you were you were running. Uh, I can't remember who it was that held the branch. Then it yeah, whipped back. I want back. to know who that was. I can't I remember who it was that was hold, holding the branch. <laughs> but it basically whipped back and it got you right in the eye. Yeah, it lacerated my cornea. Um, so it was actually, I don't know whether it was the adrenaline, but once they sort of they cleared it whilst we were like doing the walk um i couldn't really see out of it but the pain wasn't there mm -hmm. and then obviously you get captured and something gets per of your head so you don't need your eyesight anyway so <laughs> for a bit it was all right it's overrated <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> got another one yeah. billy this is the first chance that um that you've had to to speak so really warm welcome to the podcast what have you made of this year's recruits um Obviously, the longer the show goes on, the more sort of recruits that are coming on and get a chance to prepare. So they were pretty well prepared, as they always are, to be honest, physically. But none of them have ever been pushed to the boundaries mentally. And it's we seem to get the same results when it comes to the mental side of it, you know. What, what do you mean by that? Um, you can look at somebody and sort of assume that, well, they're going to be strong, they look the part. But as soon as, I don't know, people just... You can never judge what barrier they've got and how far they can go mentally mm -hmm. and, until you push them through that pace. And some people will just amaze themselves, amaze us, and in both ways. Some you'll expect to go good distances and just fall by the wayside. And the, the lesser you expect, because of physique and what you see, seem to you know go that little bit further, as I always say. So, yeah. Who, who impressed you? Because, you know, I think we were talking about earlier the fact that anyone who has made it to this level should be really, really proud of themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll tell help to all of them for coming forward and going for it, but not surprising, the, the women have done, the smaller framed women, especially on the mental side, I don't know, they, they just go so deep and do so well. But there's more and more as they come forward, you know, strength as well as mental. They've done really, really well. So the smaller women like Kim... Uh, number nine, I think she was. Yes. And uh, number 13. Shaq. Yeah, Shaq. Unbelievable. <clears throat> None Absolutely of them completed the rope, I'm just saying. No, no. This is <laughs> it's true. all about the rope. <laughs> <laughs> How was it for you, Chris? Because obviously, you know, you're a very strong, capable man. Did you, you ever feel strange, I suppose, pitting yourself against a woman in, in such unusual circumstances where really physicality is going to win out in the end? I mean, I was dreading the... I fought Carla, the amazing mother of four who had breast cancer. I was dreading that being shown because obviously what an amazing story and there's me punching her in the face, a sort of posh kid from <laughs> from London. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, but, yeah, they're, mentally they're so strong. So mm. it was just... It's one of those... You have to just sit back and there's so much respect there because they, they found, you know, physically in a lot of challenges they found it harder so the fact that they were still there still going you're just like wow mm -hmm. like i was struggling and physically it was a lot easier for me so chris what was your ambition for taking part in sas who does wins various reasons um i have something called crohn's disease um and i wanted to bring awareness to the condition and hopefully show people who have the condition that you can still achieve a lot um it's a little bit harder but you can 
How, how did you cope? Did it affect you at all? It did in, at times. I mean, we were on reduced rations anyway, um, and with a faulty digestive system, it meant that I was a little bit more sluggish than usual. Um, I think there was a challenge where um, I didn't get the the rations everyone did in the morning because they had screwed up. I can't eat a lot of things. Um, yeah. And so I just passed out um, during the log challenge, actually. I got to the end, but I yeah. passed out pretty hard but otherwise like to be honest like I keep myself fit um and they were giving me food that I could tolerate so I wasn't yeah. going off um too badly so I it didn't affect me a huge amount whilst I was out there in it other mm-hmm. than just well I mean it was hellish circumstances anyway so it's hard to go like which which was str- like cutting me down was it my Crohn's or was it just it was so. Like, was it us? <laughs> was the DS just shouting at me because I couldn't eat red meat? And and for you guys, do does it make any difference to you if people arrive with pre-existing conditions? Do you take that into account at all, or is everybody just treated equally? No, everyone's equal. I mean, you told what we're looking for with the standards you know what we're looking for so if you turn up with carrying an injury or whatever is that, that's your problem yeah mm. i was told to eat dirt at one point because nice. i couldn't eat the rabbit provided <laughs> oh dear okay so like, well, was that me dirt, then i was like all right that's that's understandable <laughs> did you get that from molly uh, no, I think it was Ant, actually. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> now, this episode is all about pressure. And obviously, we see people pushing themselves way beyond things that they think they're actually you know, able to do. The first is swimming. Uh, I mean, obviously, the whole series started with you guys jumping in the water. But in this episode in particular, how, d- how did you cope with pushing yourself past a point where you thought, that's it, I'm done? I'll be honest. I was really hoping for the desert edition. I, was like, <laughs> I, like, I like hot weather. So when it was like, it's basically SBS, I was like, ah, fuck. Um, you could see it in everyone's faces. Oh, really? The, the misery. Are we, are we, I mean, we loved it. Just watching their faces. But it was, the worst bit was like the battery change. Because as soon as they put that waterproof battery on you, you're like, oh, we're getting wet. Definitely. Like, okay. this this has ruined my day. <laughs> yeah. Whenever the dry one was on, you were like, okay, there's going to be some form of torture, but it doesn't involve the sea. So torture. it's a little <laughs> bit I almost heard uh, the drone. We ended up calling the drone of death whenever we saw the drone go up in the air. So you'd be on a truck for ages. <laughs> whenever you see that flat out, you're right, yeah. everyone get ready. All right, they're no, about, it was, to, it was about the, to go down. It was the battery pack. <laughs> no. we, we, we call these things in the military, we call them combat indicators. It's like, right, something's yeah. going to happen. Something, there's, there's something in the air and it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your pressure point then? What was your hardest moment? I really hate heights. I think those tasks they're more mental and I feel like in that situation it's easier to get past that mental bit I'm mm-hmm. like it's you know I've actually like on the rope one I watched other people the I think two or three girls had gone first they'd failed and I'd watched the safety rope catch them so they didn't die so I was like always reassuring I'm not going to enjoy this but <laughs> like I'm not going to die either so like let's just get on with it uh-huh. um, I think that like just the sheer cold was the thing that got to me I remember actually like Speaking to the mole, or I didn't know it was the mole at the time, just mm-hmm. being like, after day one, just being like, I wasn't expecting this cold. Like, mm-hmm. physically, it's all right, but like, 
physically now I'm just so cold to my bone. I was like, this is not, this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> what What was it like for you guys? Obviously, we've we've talked about the mole before, but never with obviously two two DSs in the room. Um, did it make a big difference to you? Obviously, having someone in amongst the recruits feeding back to you information that you weren't necessarily seeing. It yeah. was it, yeah. I mean, it's obviously a bonus for us. I mean. There's, it doesn't happen on real selection, but what what does happen is the DS on certain phases are everywhere and they hear everything. And so it was like we were sort of talking about how do we get to do that that keeps it sort of semi-authentic. And we were like, well, let's let's chuck a mole in. We did it on the first series. Mm. We've done it on the fourth series, mm. and but the, but they were slightly different. Whereas this one, it's someone that we know, someone that has done the job that we've done is a reliable source of information and can cut the mustard, you know, can stick with it. So, I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously it's beneficial for us, but it was more, I mean, I had so much excitement going into the reveal. I like literally, I could, when I just, I had to look at the floor because I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> it was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, it was a lot, a lot of I remember up standing up. there being like, this is good TV. <laughs> yeah. Even then. Really? What's that like for you? Even you when you were absolutely ridden. Or... No, not really. I, I think the funny bit was um, everyone was then, after we came back into the accommodation, they were like reliving the, deep conversations they had had with Jay and I was like oh for fuck's sake all I had said to him was basically people were saying he was like Jamie Lannister from like Game of Thrones so I was like alright Jamie Lannister so he was like going so you're calling me like um, an incestuous person I was like yes and he was like but I've got a brother and I was like all right, you're incestuous with your brother. I was like, that's all I've said to that man. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, well, great. So impression. when he's like, we know everything about you, I was like, so I'm a prick. <laughs> that's all we need to know. <laughs> he never told us that. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> now, Billy, the, the, in this episode, for me, one, this seemed to be a, a pivotal moment where your attitude, not you per, per se, but the DS's attitude changed towards the recruits because... You've you've almost kind of wheedled out or mm. weeded out the the sort of I, I don't want to say weaker members, but the people who maybe aren't going to be able to get through the interrogation process. It, would that be right? Because to me, it, you you all came across as just that little bit more supportive, rather than trying to smash everybody down and wheedle people out. Yeah, we got we got the group down to the size that is manageable and worth putting the time and effort into. Not that we don't put it in for everybody, of course, but the more time and effort. And it's, it's very similar to real selection. Um, you know, 200 plus people turn up for the start and we don't even look at the first phase. Everybody talks about how past selection because I'm good over the mountains, I can run, I can carry a house on my back. We don't even care. We don't give a damn about any of that. We really want to see what you really like under pressure without... It's about self-motivation. And you'll see for the start, to get things moving, we have to scream and shout quite a bit. And then you're right, once we've got to that culling process of manageable numbers and worth looking at people are really showing they want to be here that's when we we can back off a bit because they really do want to be here now we don't have to push them anymore whether it's for the tv or for whatever it's for mm. they, they really want to be there so it's, it makes our job easier in a way but it gives us a chance as a group to look at people and get right inside their soul and see what they're really all about and it is and the difference between the the tv and reality as in the ses uh, reality or special forces reality is we don't scream and shout at all mm -hmm. on selection. It's about self self motivate uh, motivation, and that's the hardest thing for anybody. 
you know, get it up in the morning after you've been, you've just marched 60Ks with a house on your back and then you've got to get up the next morning and do it again. And you're not showing it, you're asked. Okay, and you talk to him nicely, and it's weird because mm. most mm. of the time you're being pushed physically, not physically, but verbally, yeah. as we do on the show. So it, 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 it tells you the person that is there on time, ready to do it, wants to be there. And that's what we're looking for on the show. That's the, that's the similarity yeah. to the reality of the real, real thing, you know. So, yeah, we don't have to scream and shout at a particular point. We then lay off a little bit. It's kind of a respect thing as well, you know, give them a chance to see where they can go. Go through their barriers and pr- let them prove to themselves they can go that little bit further. Is that a lesson that all the recruits can then take with them out into the real world? Because in the real world, you're not going to have someone screaming at you, but you will need to take that self-motivation with you. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at societies and embassy, oh, it's getting softer, it's this, that, the other, you can't say this, you can't do and, and to a degree, I guess it's right. So they've never really been pushed, but so... You know, they get pushed by us, they go through the barriers they never expected, and then they push their souls to the next layer, you know. So they do. Everybody walks away from that show, I believe. I've not heard one person, I've, I've spoke to most people since they left, and then they all say they feel better, yeah. they're a better person. They've, they've learned so much about themselves, mm. you know. And um, like I say, we, we, to a degree, get them to one point, and then they take the self to the rest of it. They do the rest of the self. I mean, they maybe can't see quite as well, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I feel like I got worse after the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only saw half of it. I was pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say you took away from this experience that you can use in real life? Watch out for branches. Yeah, I mean, don't... <laughs> Just be more careful on walks. Don't trust women walking in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> You're brave. Um, <laughs> oh, look, a reindeer. <laughs> um, also, another reason why I went on the show is I always struggled to talk about my condition. I think I was very shy about it. And one of the hardest things for me, and it seems ridiculous, was the toilet conditions. So the buckets next to each other. I have a prolapse as part of my condition so it was quite challenging with the buckets to deal with all of that so actually taking away from that I feel less embarrassed and less shy about it I'm able to talk about it more and hopefully can help people who are shy about it but that was a big thing for me and I took away from the to show that like sort of confidence I guess I can understand that I mean the, the the stripping down process obviously you see that right from episode one where you know everyone jumps into the sea swims to shore and is made to strip off and that's yeah. a key part of it all yeah. isn't it you we're all equal we don't yeah. care what your experiences mm. are what you look like what you might be going through yeah. we were all level you had to always like go in pairs so it was just very much like it, it did just sort of break down any layer of sort of like yeah. you're taught as a kid like you know don't talk about this stuff and mm. You know, don't fart in public or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's because we're British, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. the British thing. You've got to get rid of those barriers. I've always yeah. said as well from the beginning, the hardest bit about our, our job back in the day was the stuff like that, the uncomfortableness, like mm. going to the toilet in some cling film next to a mate in a hole in the ground. And that it's those things that people don't really ever think about that are the... I've never hurdles. thought about going to the toilet in clean film. <laughs> oh, you've missed Have that. You not? No, I'll tell you what, I think about me. it every day. You Do need you? to come on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you learn something new every day on this podcast. And um, one of the reasons that I'm so happy that we've got so many of you here is we have this little thing that we call Dear DS. I don't know if you've heard about it, but basically it's time to sort of lead our own line of questioning. Um, now, it's where you become agony uncles. 
Okay, so Billy, mm. we're, we're gonna we're gonna single you up. But I think Foxy, you you may be able to join in on on this one. I've got some dear DS questions, and I'd like you to give your honest and open answers. Dear DS, you have dispensed tons of advice in your time on the show, but I would love to know some advice you have learned from the recruits. Ooh. That noise was by death. <laughs> I provide the noises. Okay. <laughs> the old cliche, never judge a book by the cover, you know, because although I've been a DS in the past years gone before the selection and all the rest of this, so I've got a lot of experience and I'm pretty good at judging characters, but you still, you can't literally write anybody off. So what I've learned is just not to write anybody off, just to give everybody the chance and get the benefit of the doubt. And what we're good at now is, you know, people think, oh, they're looking for the fastest, the fittest. We're not at all. We're looking for you. And so, you know, we, we what I've learned from that is just, just, just let's see what happens. Let's let's ride the time, give everybody the chance. Let's see how it goes. I'm in, I'm in agreement with Billy. Really, that's the main thing. So, you spend your time in the military, and you think. <clears throat> You know in the military that you can't judge a book by its cover because, I mean, the Special Forces is made up, everyone thinks that they're chiselled individuals. It's just made up of a completely random mix of individuals that look different to each other. So you get that's a given. And then you sort of leave and you come into the big wide world, the civilian world, and you do start, you can't help but start to try and judge people. But people still surprise you, which is a good thing. People are still resilient nowadays. They just need to f- dig deep a little bit and find the grit inside them. So, again, it's it's just the same as Billy, really. You know, try not to judge and let people surprise you because it's a nice thing. Okay, did yes. I want to bring some valuable routine to my day. Even though you're out of service, is there still some regiment that you keep to every day? So some sort of routine that you've brought with you? Make your bed. Seriously, and you've heard it saying, and it's true, finish something. Because we, we, we're all, we'll start 10 things and we're all so scatty and so busy. We don't finish things. And there's not a better feeling than finishing something. So I literally, I'll get out of bed. I say make the bed. It's not, it's tidy the bed a little bit for me. That's made. So I'll make the bed. Say, I've seen his made bed. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask. <laughs> we live together. Come oh, on. lovely. <laughs> uh, not now. I mean, on the TV. Yeah, oh, okay. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Roomies. Uh, uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just finish, finish something, you know. Get First thing in the morning, I mean, probably Foxy like me. And then the other thing I have to do, I have to train, otherwise I'm a real miserable git. And I've got this routine, goes back, <laughs> not just from the military, where I'll get up, there's no, I won't listen to music, no water, and I'll train. I won't eat nothing, I've got to train. Because I feel like I'm, I'm not getting any benefit if I had a drink of water before I go out. I'm, all I'm burning off is that water that I'm carrying. It's psychological. Mm. And I'll tell you now, my opinion, 70% of your physical anyways, psychological. It is. And if you listen to music, you can run 10 miles, but you're not thinking about it. When you're thinking about it, you're burning more energy, more calories, and, and it's like, oh, you just want to get to the end, but it's, shut up. I'm not sure. So, about yeah, basically. That, that's, my, so, that's my routine. Yeah. Finish something and, you know. Billy basically trains in the era that he was born, the Victorian age, <laughs> so there's no music, there's no war. <laughs> It was Victorian PT. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I can see that as a DVD. Okay. This is actually my question that I wanted to ask you. Is it true that you actually rugby tackled Penelope Cruz to the ground because you were defending um, Tom Cruz? I did, but it was an illegal rugby tackle because I got around the neck. <laughs> <laughs> I did, yes. 
Yeah, I was walking into an hotel with him, and it was we. You were his bodyguard. Yeah. You didn't just happen to be. No, there. no, I was. I was. I was looking after him mm-hmm. in Rome, and uh, we had this sea of paparazzi. And uh, miracle! I, I got to meet him before, and says, "Look, I'm going to take him somewhere else if we don't do right." And I said, "What I want you to do is step away from the doorway." And he was like the the parting of the waves it was unbelievable so I had this clear gap walking him right down to the hotel front door and just before I got to the hotel front door something blue came from my right hand side and I couldn't see what it was and I didn't have time to even turn so I just grabbed him round the shoulders but I grabbed him round the neck and I grabbed this thing round the neck and then I fall into one of those rotating doors and two heads are looking at me and Tom turns to me and goes meet Penelope <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea unbelievable yeah. can I ask for how long brilliant. afterwards you carried on working for Mr Cruz <laughs> I was fine then roughly 10 minutes uh, no it was, it was hilarious I got, we got into the elevator like you know and there was a right mess <laughs> <laughs> Head on backwards. Yeah, it's a, now let me officially introduce you to my girlfriend Penelope. <laughs> she didn't like me, but he was fine. I can't think why. I can't think why. Colin. I'm afraid that's our interrogation of SS Who Dares Wins over for another week. Uh, thank you so much to all my guests, Dev, Chris, Dr. Sandeep. Foxy and Billy. You can watch the next episode of SAS next Sunday on Channel 4 and on demand on all four. And the next edition of Back to Base will be available straight after. We'll see you next week. Back to Base is hosted by me, Andrew McLean. Back to Base is a Little Dot Studios production for Channel 4, brought to you by Mitsubishi. The show is produced by Annie Hughes, Joe Greenway, Harold McShiel, and Jake Cunningham. And the show is edited by Steph Watts and Mike Munzer. <laughs> <laughs>